Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who was accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. Before we start this episode, a quick word about another Crime Story Media production. October 2014. Was David Martinez responsible for killing Pomona SWAT officer Sean Diamond? That's at the heart of Night Raid, a new podcast from Crime Story Media. Subscribe or follow wherever you get this podcast. On our last episode, we presented the defense opening statement to the Murdoch Trials jury. On this installment, we present our examination of the first witness testimony in the case. That's all coming up right after the break. It is January 26th, 2023, the second day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. Prosecutor Creighton Waters begins the state's case by calling Daniel Green to the stand. At the time of the murders, the witness was a sergeant for the Colleton County Police, and so we will refer to him as Sergeant Green. As Green walks past Waters on his way to the stand, he towers over the attorney. The sergeant has a football player's build and sports a buzz cut of dark hair and a full beard. He wears a gray suit, a white shirt, and a lavender tie. After Green is sworn in and spells his name for the jury, Waters jumps right in and guides the witness through a series of biographical questions. Uh, tell us where you work. I work for the Colton County Sheriff's Office. Okay, and your rank is sergeant, obviously, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Just give us just a little bit of your background that led you to your career in law enforcement, if you would, please. Sure. I went to school here, grew up here, went to college at Charleston Southern University. I got a degree in social studies education, taught for a little while, and then got into law enforcement. Just kind of fell into it and liked it, and I've been here since 2014. Okay. Uh, you started with the uh, Sheriff's Department in 2014? That's correct. All right, and what, did you, what was your first job uh, that you did, or how, how does your career progress? I started at the jail. I worked there for just over a year, and then I was moved to the road patrol. Um, I was on road patrol for several years, uh, moved up the ranks to sergeant, where I was a road patrol supervisor, and now I'm a detective. Okay. When did you become detective? Uh, earlier last year. Uh, it would have been June of last year. Back in June of 2021, what was your uh, job at that particular time with the sheriff's department? In June of 2021, I was a road patrol sergeant supervisor. All right, and explain how that works. What's your what's your exact role as a sergeant and a road patrol supervisor? So for the most part, I'm assigned a team consisting of three to four deputies, just depends. They include a corporal as well as several other deputies. My job primarily is to uh, supervise them and they're in a 12-hour shift. We answer calls for service. Sometimes I'll go with other deputies to calls that require more than one officer to be present. The majority of my job is supervising what they do. And during June of 2021, were you working day shift or night shift, or how did that work? I was on night shift at that point. And what are, what are the hours of the night shift? So we swap every two months. Uh, so two months you'd be on days, two months you'd be on nights. Um, for those hours, it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Let me take you uh, to the evening of June 7th, 2021. Were you working that particular evening? I was. And what shift were you working that we were on night shift. So hours did that be? Working from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So you went on duty at 6 p.m.? I did, yeah. Okay. 
And uh, you said you're the sergeant. What, what was the, the, do you have a squad that you're supervising that are out during that shift? Uh, explain that to the jury, if you would, please. So that shift consisted of myself being the sergeant. I had a corporal and two deputies working as well. And at that point, I had a lieutenant who was my immediate supervisor. He was working as well. All right, and again, you tell me who those people were. Sure, so my corporal was Corporal Janicki, and the two deputies working with me were Deputy William Pruitt and Deputy Chad McDowell. And the lieutenant was who? Uh, Lieutenant Lonnie Nettles. Did you, uh, on the evening of June 7th, 2021, uh, get a call for service at 4147 Moselle Road? I did. You remember approximately what time that was? Later in the evening, several hours into my shift. Did you ultimately respond to that location? I did. What was reported to you uh, that led to the call for service from dispatch? That there was a caller who stated he had found his wife and son shot. So tell me what happens then. You get that report. What do you do? So I get that call for service. Uh, obviously, we immediately respond. In situations like that, we would respond with lights and sirens to get there as fast as possible. You're driving fast to get there? Yes. Um, lights are on? Lights were on. Siren was on. I think it still took me close to 20 minutes to actually get to the scene from where I was. But You have to ask dispatch to clarify the address? I did. Once I got out there, it's a very dark area, very rural area on Moselle Road. Not a whole lot of residences in the area. And I did need clarification once I got out there to confirm the address. Then I located the address on a mailbox across the street from a driveway. So you saw the mailbox in the driveway you entered, is that correct? That's correct. The driveway that you entered that had this mailbox, where did it ultimately lead? What structures were there as you pulled up to the scene? Uh, as, as I pulled down the long driveway, when I got to the end of it, there was a dog kennel area on the left, as well as a shed area on the right. And that was the driveway with the mailbox, correct? That was. Is this location where the scene was, is it in Colleton County? It is. Tell me just a little bit before we get into more specifics. What was the, uh, you said it was dark. What, what was the weather like? What was the, uh, the conditions of the scene uh, or the weather in the scene like? So quite normal for June around here. It's rather hot and humid. It had been raining a little bit off and on that evening. It was not raining at the time that I actually responded to the scene. Were you uh, the first law enforcement officer or first responder on the scene? I was. Uh, were there others, uh, other first responders following close behind? The additional first responder that was directly behind me uh, worked for Carlton County Fire Rescue. He pulled in almost the same time I did. When you would arrive at the scene, before we talk about you know, what you actually experienced at this scene, what is your main job at a scene like this? What are you there to do as a first responder, the first officer on the scene? So a major crime scene like that, my job is to get there, secure the scene. And what I mean by secure the scene is ensure that there are no individuals there that would potentially cause harm to additional first responders coming there or any witnesses or victims that are already on scene. Preserve any evidence that might be there and then wait for investigators to arrive as I gather information from anybody else that is already on scene. So you, you're going to gather basic information, but your job's not to investigate it in great detail. That's correct. Okay. As you arrived at this scene, again, what had been reported to you by dispatch? That a male caller had called and said he found his wife and son shot. And from that report to you, about how long did it take you to uh, ultimately make it onto the scene? It was roughly about 20 minutes. When you arrived on the scene, so one of the things that you do is secure the scene. Were you at all concerned about any perpetrator still being there at that point in time? When I arrived, not necessarily, just because he had already been there for quite a while. Whenever he called, it seemed the way the call came in that uh, he discovered them like that and that there was nobody else there other than him and the wife and son. So you're the first officer on scene, but you're not thinking the perpetrators are still there? It's something you have to keep in the back of your mind, but not necessarily at the forefront. You didn't come in hot with guns drawn or anything like that? No. When you arrived at the scene and you walked uh, and got out of your car, what did you see? So as soon as I got out of my vehicle, I was walking down the rest of the driveway, which went between the dog kennel and the shed. I could see Mr. Murdaugh down at the end of the driveway. As I approached toward him, 
I could see the male victim laying on the ground to my left, as well as the female victim on the ground to my right. The male victim was close to a small shed in the dog kennel on the left. There was a large deal of blood that had pooled around his body. Same thing for the female victim on the right. Also a large amount of blood around her body. As you uh, approached and at first saw the male victim and the female victim, uh, what was your assessment? Was there any possible signs of life from your... Uh, my, my initial assessment was that there was not. There appeared to be a large amount of blood around each of them, as well as brain matter. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Prosecutor Waters continues his questioning of Sergeant Green by asking him about his encounter with the defendant as he worked the double homicide scene on June 7th, 2021. Uh, did you ultimately have a conversation with Mr. Murdoch when you were out there? I did. And do you see him here in the courtroom today, the person yeah. that you talked to? I do. And can you point him out to the jury, please? Yes, sir. He's right there wearing a dark blue or black jacket. Your Honor, can the record reflect that he's identified Mr. Murdoch? It does. When you ultimately approached Mr. Murdoch, what's the first thing that you did? Uh, the first thing I did was uh, ensure that he did not have any weapons on him. That's standard procedure for arriving on a scene like that. Any kind of weapons that are anywhere on the scene, I want to be aware of just so I can know whether they're there or not, and if they are there, who has access to them at any point. Um, just And that's for my safety as well as other responding officers and for anyone else that's on scene. Uh, did Mr. Murdoch give you any possible explanation for this when you approached him? His immediate reaction was to start telling me about an incident that had happened with his son uh, with a boating accident. With the boating accident? Yes, sir. Had you asked him anything about that? I did not. You ultimately, were you wearing a body-worn camera that particular? I was. You ultimately had uh, a conversation with Mr. Murdoch for extended, a fairly extended period of time, is that correct? That's correct. Did uh, you ever see any tears in your interactions with Mr. Murdoch? He did not appear to be crying. He was upset, but I did not see any visible tears. Did uh, Mr. Murdoch tell you that he had any sort of firearm? He did. He stated that he had left from that scene went to the residence, grabbed a shotgun from that residence, and then brought it back because he felt like he needed to have it just in case something else were to happen. He told you he had gone back to the residence after finding the victims to get that gun. He did. What, if anything, did you do uh, once he told you that he had uh, gotten a gun? First, he pointed to where, or pointed out where the gun was. It was leaning against the uh, vehicle that he was driving at the time. I could see that it was a camouflage shotgun. I spoke with him for a few more minutes, and just based off of how nervous he was acting and, and anxious and upset, I decided it was in everyone's best interest to get that shotgun and secure it in my vehicle so that no one else had access to it. Uh, so you put that shotgun in your vehicle, is that correct? I did. Uh, what did you ultimately do with that shotgun? Did you later turn it on over to additional law enforcement? Yes, after it was secured in my vehicle, once SLED arrived on scene to do their further investigation, it was then turned over to SLED. Waters places on the courtroom audio visual screen an image of a shotgun. Do you recognize the uh, what's in that particular image? I do. All right, and tell me what that is, please. That's the shotgun that I secured in my vehicle on the scene. 
Waters next presents and opens in front of Sergeant Green a long box that contains that same piece of evidence. Sergeant Green, I'm going to show you what's been marked as Exhibit 4 for identification at this time and see if you recognize this particular item. Yes, sir, that would be the shotgun that I secured. Waters has Sergeant Green show the shotgun to the jury and then has the witness confirm the authenticity of documentation for the chain of custody of that piece of evidence. After submitting evidence that the shotgun has not been altered since Sergeant Green took it into his custody, Waters moves on to the next piece of evidence from the night of the murders and directs the witness's attention to the courtroom AV screen. Sergeant Green, I'm going to show you what's been marked for identification at this time of States Exhibit Number 1, see if you recognize this. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and can you tell the jury what this is on this desk right here? That would be the body camera uh, footage from that incident. From the, your, your arrival at Moselle Road and uh, through the investigation until at some point you turned it off after you, it no longer needed to be on, is that That's correct? correct. All right, Your Honor, at this time I would move to admit States Exhibit Number 1. That is this officer's body cam, which is a camera that's mounted on his body. Is that correct? That's correct. The video that we have from the trial does not show the footage from the courtroom's TV screens, so we can only glean what is in the footage from the testimony of the witness. Sergeant Green, this is your body cam video, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, the first uh, 15 minutes or so of this video, are you running code, running at full speed or at least reasonable speed to get to this scene as fast as you can, is that correct? Yes, sir, my lights and that, my lights and siren were activated so I can get there quickly. Your Honor, at this time I'm going to fast forward it until he arrives, I believe without objection from the defense. Without objection, Your Honor. Sergeant Green then explains that he initially drove past the Murdoch's driveway and then clarified the address with the central dispatcher. Central, that was 4147 or 57? 4147. Keep your vehicle in the driveway with the flashes on. It's going to be the caller. Copy. I'm going on scene. It's got a long driveway, but the mailbox out front is labeled. It's not at the end of the driveway. You might be able to help. The correct number for uh, 4147 Moselle? It is. And is that the incident location where you discovered the victims? That's correct. After Waters confirms the address, he continues playing the body cam footage and audio as the officer gets out of the vehicle. Here. Waters pauses the video and asks Sergeant Green to describe what is on the monitor. Right there to the left of the screen, what did you see right there? To the left was uh, Paul's body. He was laying face down on the ground, large pool of blood around him as well as a great deal of water that was immediately around his body. Was it uh, that water, was it just around, was it down the entire kennel uh, concrete pad or was it mostly just? No, you body? could see walking down the kennel as I got out, the closer I got to Paul's body, the more water there was. Had it been raining enough at this point in time to wet the entire, to, to cause that amount of water? Objection, Your Honor, calls for speculation. Objection overruled. Answer the question, please. Uh, I, I don't recall if it had been raining a whole lot that evening. Um, but given the, where the water was, it did not appear that rain had caused that water. Waters resumes the body cam footage and pauses it when he comes upon another significant image. Central Southern Southern Senior Secure at a Whiskey Fox, Whiskey Mike. What are we seeing to the right of this image? So on the right would be uh, Maggie's body, also laying face down on the ground, a large pool of blood around her head. And we see an individual standing. Who is that? The individual standing in the background would be Mr. Murdoch. The person you previously identified in this courtroom? That's correct. Both the gunshot wounds to the head. 
Just to be clear, this location that you're standing right now is in Collison County, is that correct? It is, yes. The next voice you hear on the body cam footage is that of the defendant, Alex Murdoch, speaking with the witness, Sergeant Daniel Green. Okay. It's in your vehicle. Do you have any guns on you at all? No, sir. It's leaning up against the side of my car. You're you're fine, man. You're fine. Turn around for me. I don't have. Okay. Yes, sir. I see that. Okay. This is your wife and son. Okay. Notice you shined your flashlight just a few seconds ago on the the black vehicle. What did you shine your flashlight on just then? You could see the shotgun leaning up against the side of that vehicle. Um, were the flashers on on the uh, vehicle right there in the image? I believe so, yes. It's bad. Check the pulses. Yes, sir. <laughs> this is the firearm you brought from inside the house? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I went and get, and this is a long story. My son was in a boat wreck of months back. He's been getting threats. Most of it's been benign stuff we didn't take serious. Okay. Um, you know, he, he's been getting, like, punched. Um, I know that's somebody, I know that's what it is. Okay. When did... Was that when you previously testified that he mentioned the boat case or the boat wreck? That's correct. Prior to me asking him anything about it, he did mention it. Did you get home right, um, right when you called, or did you go to the house first? Where is the house? I came to the house first. My mom has late stages Alzheimer's, and my dad is in the hospital. Okay. I left. I don't know what time. I can go back on my phone and tell you the exact time. Did you check? Okay. Did I check what? Did you check them? The, the, we got medical guys that are, that, that's, that's, that's what they're going to do, okay? What are they doing? Can they hurry? They are. Yes, sir. That's, that gentleman that was out here already, he's one of the battalion chiefs, okay? Right before that discussion, did Mr. Murdoch offer to go on his phone and check? He did. Exactly. He did. He wanted to verify exactly the, the timing of his arrival. How did you pull up you, from back there? And I went to the house and they weren't home, which was odd. I tried to call. Okay. And then I knew they had been down here before I left to go to my mom. Okay. And so I, that is loaded. Okay. Um, you might want to unload it. <laughs> is this the only firearm with you? Not good, sir. This is the only one, or is there any more in the truck? I believe that's it. You think that's the only one? Okay. I'm 99. Do you normally have right. any other firearms in your vehicle? I don't, but occasionally okay. there, occasionally there's a pistol in there. Okay. So you're putting something on your hands. What are you doing right there? Those are just gloves, so I can put on my hands to limit the contamination of any evidence. You put those on before you handle the firearm. Is that yes. correct? Just wait right here for me for a second, okay? Copy. What are you doing right now? At this point, I'm walking back to my vehicle to secure that shotgun inside my vehicle. We can actually see you holding it to the uh, to the left of the screen. Is that correct? That's correct. That's me holding the barrel of that shotgun. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty: The Trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our coverage of the testimony of Sergeant Daniel Green regarding the dramatic footage that his body camera captured on the night of the killings. Also, check out the new crime story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. 
It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.